What's going on? The man? Living the dream, bud. It's, it's funny as... Well, are you recording already? I am. All right. Well, you want to throw some questions? Because so I want, just you, got You don't want one. to talk about about somebody? You're going to start talking now you're not? <laughs> <laughs> are you recording? Uh, not going to say that. No, okay, never mind. I guess I won't say anything. <laughs> as long as everybody's listening. <laughs> what do you got? So Eric Graber, Graber, I'm probably pronouncing that right, just hit me and just said, hey, I need to get some pigments. I don't see them up on the Kodiak page. So, you know, when, who do I get a hold of to place an order? Which is a good question at the moment, because as you very well know, I just got done talking to the blender today. They are ready to go. Uh, just gave them all the information. We're ready to rock and roll. They are sending out material to Canada tomorrow. But that being said, what do you think about people getting either an email to us directly or something like that until we get the website totally up and done? What do you think? You know, it'd probably be being Christmas and the web developers have to do their thing. It's probably going to be the first of the year next year before it's up on the site because everybody's just on right. vacation. But yeah, people can send us an email. If you want to order pigments, send John an email or me an email, and one of us will send you a custom invoice for the interim until we get it up on the site. But to everybody listening now, just a heads up, we did get things blended. We have stock going at the moment, but we are waiting for everything to be loaded on the website, but we can still get you what you need. Yeah. And then that being said, along as long as we're talking about pigments, uh, someone else is asking, <laughs> I think we've covered this a few times. See, I even put a giggle sometimes. We've got so many podcasts out there with different stuff. So what makes what we're doing from a pigment different? I'm not sure what that means, but. Hmm. What we're doing from a pigment different. I think they're, they're asking, what like, what is our mix? How is it reacting differently with the pigments, which we hit on, I want to say the last podcast or maybe two back about particle compaction. Yeah, and density of the mix. Now. Yeah, how that affects the color and how dense the color is. And that's why, you know, our mix is about a 30% lower loading of color than what you're normally used to doing with, you know, a Fishstone product or a Buddy Rhodes product, Trinic product, whatever it is. Those mixes, you're going to use 30% more pigment to get the same color density because they're not getting the same particle compaction that we're getting with our mix. Just to add to that, anybody who's worked with or at least thinks they work with, the higher end of concrete mixes, I'm sure they've heard the words thrown away around particle compaction, particle compaction. And, and what does that mean? Well, your hope is you're, you're working with a mix or someone who's designed those mix, and now we're taking it to the next level. We're taking it beyond the mix. So a mix that's put together everything from the cements, pozzolans, sands, admixtures, from start to finish, and we've done, I'm going to say, the best job we can to create a profile in all of those materials so they fit together nicely. We didn't just randomly pick, hey, look, sand and or a 30 mesh sand and cement, 50-50. I mean, it's taken to a whole different end to come up with this end of a mix. Then we got a hold of a blender. We, Brent and I have been working on pigments for a while. And how do you do that with pigments? Uh, so we found somebody who said, hey, let's take this, even the pigment idea to that level so that when you integrate them with the mix, 
we're taking pigments that also have, to a degree, to the best of our ability, designed to fit anything that we couldn't get fit with the sands and the micro sands and the cement and the pozzolans and the micro cements and et cetera, et cetera. I think you said micro cement twice. I did. What, what does that boil down to, though? Anybody who wants to see, Brandon just got done making some tables with a 2% black loading. Not carbon black loading, but but the Kodiak jet black loading. Which has a small amount of carbon in it, but it's carbon and oxide blend. But yeah, it is. Right. It is dark. It is. It's dark. Yeah, super dark. And that's, dark. again, I, I'll challenge anybody. Take a 2% loading with whatever mix you're using and take Maker Mix with a 2% jet black. Blend those up next to each other. You do it on your own, and then you'll see what we're talking about. We'll yeah. see, and, and what that means. Yeah, I just cast, I cast a blue sink a week ago, and I just cast the second one for this client today by myself, and I, I made a little video. I'm starting to get more into the video side of things with Kodiak Pro, sharing what we're doing. But I just uh, shot video, and I'm going to be releasing that. But yeah, I mean, that's a super low loading. It's two, I don't even know what it is. I think it's 2% cobalt and a half percent stone, and it's a mm. super, super dense color. So yeah, it's incredible. As, as we've said, anybody who's listened to these, we're, we're seriously, I say hoping, but the reality is we're doing it. We're moving this whole idea to a new level. And it's going to be interesting to see if everybody else can catch up or even try to keep up. We'll find out. We're going to the moon, bitches. We are, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so as long as we're on the pigment, and I know they're going to be loaded, but the question's here. What colors are going to be available and I know this is an early, early question. I don't know the answer yet, but will custom colors be available, Kodiak Pro? Yeah. So the colors we have available right now and for the foreseeable future are stone, which if you're part of the Buddy Rhodes Legacy products, it's very close to the warm gray. What we want to do is we don't want to make it hard for guys to transition to this product. So right. if you're used to the warm gray, you built a color line based around that, stone is going to be your best alternative to that. The next color is slate. Slate is the closest alternative to cool gray, which is more of a greenish, greenish gray. Then we have jet, which is our blend of a carbon and an oxide, which is a super dark charcoal. And then we have uh, alabaster, which is, or as John calls it, alabastered. Alabastered. With, yeah. with a D on the end of it. <laughs> and alabaster is just titanium white pigment. Maker Mix is a white mix, but in reality, it's an off-white mix. It's not pure white. There is no absolutely burn-your-eyes-out white mix because we're using white Portland. Right. Well, that's not pure white. We have Poslins that are white, but they're not pure white. So it's a considered a white mix, but if you want it to be, you know, you can't look at it outside without sunglasses on white, then you need to add titanium white pigment to it. And then you can take it as white as copy paper. It'll be, you know, incredibly white, which some people like. I personally like the color of Maker Mix as it is, because in my opinion, it's more natural. Yeah, but, much more natural. Yeah, I but agree. you know, some clients they might specify absolute brilliant white, and you can do that with the alabaster pigment. So that answers that question. The part, second part of that question is: Are we going to yeah. be bringing custom colors around? I would say yes, with a forty-pound minimum. At least that's my initial thought. Is the blender? might even be higher than that. It might be an 80-pound minimum. we got to talk to the blender and see what makes sense for them to 
you know, mix up a batch because you're, they can't mix up two pounds of something. It's just not worth right. getting all the ingredients out to do that. So I think it's going to be a 40 pound minimum at best. And then, you know, we'll see. Boy, again, anybody listening, Brian and I are open. We're pretty open, but understand that we're not just carrying pigments. Uh, it's not that simple. So even if we decide to add in a color because somebody really wants it, that would have to be done on a minimum basis because the creation of that color goes further than the old days of just taking a yellow or red or a green. Um, this is just a new level that we're trying to achieve. So be aware of that. We're certainly open. Uh, we listen to a customer base. That's what we want to do. So we're open. Yeah, absolutely. But it has to make sense. It has to make sense. Which It has to make sense, which here, I'm going to throw this one out there. Again, it has to make sense. Are you guys going to carry a gray version of Maker Mix? Mm-hmm. If there was a tremendous <laughs> amount of demand, you know, well, initially right. we did. We had gray and we had white. We were working with a small blender at the time, a tool blender, that it was easier to do a gray version and a white version. But now it's no secret that Solomon is who we work with to do our blending. You know, we're, we're blending up, is it 21 pallets at a time? Right now is kind of at the a shot. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 21 pounds at a time. So, well, the overage ends up about 21. Yeah. Yeah. So, if we, and their equipment is massive and it takes forever to clean. So, it's not like, hey, let's do 21 pallets of white and one pallet of gray. They're like, no, we can't do that. If there was a lot of demand for gray, then yeah, we could do it. But if only one or two guys, like, hey, I need a pallet, and it's like, yeah, we can't sit on 19 pallets for a year. So, I'd say if the demand is there, you know, let us know. And if there's enough people that are interested, absolutely, we'll do it. But I, I would say most people, me included, I used to love gray pigment, but with the pigments that we have, stone and slate and the density of this mix and the color richness, I'm getting the exact same colors I was getting with gray using white maker mix and a very low loading, like a quarter percent of stone. Such a small loading is getting me the colors that I used to offer when I was using gray Portland. I, I don't really see a tremendous reason for somebody to want to use gray, but you know, if the demand was there, then we're open to, to talking about it. Yeah, I agree. Well, and it's the same thing. As part of that question is because they have a blend that they use and that's what they're really happy with. They have a, a legacy of their own products. So they've clearly been working with that particular color. But I'm going to add to that that, but if that's something that you've been working with, meaning your local cements, whatever those are, to achieve your color, and that's what people are used to, again, Radmix is going to be the better choice because yeah. Uh, there's no way for us to guarantee by using the gray that we're going to make available, which, by the way, this, <laughs> we're not going to just choose a gray, you know, off a palette that's available. We, that's going to take a minute to take a look at it and how does it fit with whatever we're putting together. So it's not as easy as some people think. Radmix is the answer to that, that problem. Yeah. Is Radmix, you can use the gray Portlands you like. When I was in Phoenix, there were so many different concrete suppliers in Phoenix. And I could go to, I don't know, five different concrete suppliers. They all had a different brand of Portland. Some came from Arizona. Some came from New Mexico. Some came from California. Some came from Mexico, from across the border. And every single one of them was a different color. Not just Correct. slightly different color. Some were like baby poop green. Some were purpley. Some were a true gray. You know, they all had a completely different hue based on where the... Uh, limestone was mined. So the colors could be dramatically different from just in my own town in Phoenix, from one supplier to another. 
So yeah, if you have a gray that you like where you are, and it's probably fairly local to you, they're not shipping gray all around the U.S. because it's it's mm-hmm. usually a fairly local thing. Then right. Rad Mix, your gray Portland, you're good to go. Well, yeah, and I'm going to add to this. This goes all the way back to Days with Blue Concrete, Buddy Rhodes. We tried to put a gray version long before the whole, you know, put a pigment blend together idea. I tested gray cements from all over the U.S. to try to find a supplier to meet the demand that we were trying to do. Even though I'm going to say there is a, you know, a national specification for creating gray, what I found time and time again wasn't just the change in color, but the change in grind, the change in water demand. I mean, there was some gray cements that, oh my God, <laughs> just they they took sometimes twice as much water as something else. Um, the strengths were all over the board based on, you know, whatever the uh, particle size, you know, whatever grinding they put those through, the clinker and stuff. I mean, it, it was insane. So it wasn't until we moved to the white, specifically uh, federal white, which comes from one, you know, one source. So that it's been, and again, it'll come from the same place for probably the next 200 years, long after we're gone. Using different grays becomes very difficult if yeah. we're trying to achieve the same thing we're achieving. That's, if you look at most of your fine particle concretes that are packaged or blended, they're white and they're white for a reason or yeah. they're lighter color. They're using a white cement for a reason. Yeah. Consistency being one of them. Agreed. Yeah. I concur. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Doctor, I, know I you concur. Do, what do you got? <laughs> What's the next question? Let's keep it cracking. This question is, do we ever see, or when can we see maker mix in specification? So I'm guessing this is a person he's asking about maybe test results. Where We talk a lot about UHPC or FPC, what that means, and when could test data be available? That's a good question. Yeah. Now, I'm going to put on the table... You, in the way back when, Brandon sent me some materials that I tested in a third party. Again, I'm not saying I didn't believe Brandon, <laughs> but but I did send it. And there's test data from a third party independent for, back in 2018 when Brandon was first moving this along. Every one of those breaks were above 17,000 PSI, 17,000, 19,000 plus. So that test data is available if somebody wants it. That being said, 2022 is going to be a big year because that is something hot on our to-do list for people. And the mix has improved since, since the early mix that I sent to you that you sent out to be tested. The mix has dramatically improved since you've come on and made adjustments and uh, additions to the mix. And fiber technology is continuing to improve. So that's the big thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to test the mix. We're going to test the mix, but we're also going to test the fiber types and fiber loadings and fiber blends and find optimal strengths so we can give people hard data and say, here, you know, this is what you need. Here's how you get there. Agreed. I think, and most people know me, probably one of the reasons I put this on the back burner is I don't care about the strength. I never have. It just so happens when you get to this end of a mix design, strength goes with it. But this is not something that the, the biggest thing I want anybody to know of me is it's not something I'm pursuing, like like other companies out there specifically trying to create a UHPC mix 
they are specifically trying to look for strengths. And they're trying that to outdo each other. Oh, you got to 17. Yeah. We got to 17. One. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I did yeah, 19. Cool. What'd you yeah. do? 21. Ooh, 22. Ooh. 25. Ooh. Ah, hey. ah. <laughs> that is, that is never, never. 24. Never ah. Yeah. 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 For us, it's, it, it's been a very different road. Yeah. It's been about density. Uh, well, it's never, been about I mean, workability. Nice. I mean, workability yeah. is where it's at for guys that do right. this for what we do. Sinks, yeah. countertops, tile, furniture wall cladding, that kind of stuff, workability is king. Whether, yeah. whether and versatility of that, yes. Yeah, exactly. Whether we're yeah. 17,000, 18,000, 22,000, it's totally yeah. irrelevant. I mean, we are totally. beyond where we need to be. It's the yeah. workability of the mix. And the strength where it is beneficial for us and why we are at that level is mainly for the sealer performance aspect of it. Because Agreed. we're making the yeah. densest substrate possible. So the sealer then is secondary to the substrate. So that's yes. why density is important to us. But it's not for the same reasons that somebody that's wanting to make a mix to do bridge girders or, you know, whatever it is. They're striving for strength for that reason. We're striving for strength for uh, abrasion resistance. Not right. so much, hey, guys, uh, I got 24. Uh, okay, right. whatever. Doesn't make a difference. Yeah, if you can't, I, if you can't pour I, it, you can't do anything with it. So, you know, whatever. Right. There's a, um, is it a convention? I don't know. There's a group of people, again, very intelligent people, very much into cement chemistries, concrete chemistries, uh, UHPC association or something like that. You know, I've never been interested in going to one of those. It's, it's kind of like a world of concrete where they all get together and, you know, talk about ultra high performance concretes. But those, that whole association is chasing a very, very different goal than we've been chasing. It just so happens, even though we're chasing something totally different, we just happen to be ending up at the same finish line, but just for very different reasons. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and workability, like we said, is for what we do paramount. And so if you take any of those no UHPCs that are out there, you try to mix them up by hand with the Columix X06 and you try to pour it into a form where you have a one inch gap and it's got to flow down and around and up and back down and around again. Good luck, buddy. It's not going to happen. Now, I remember I was talking to, uh, I can't remember his name now, in India. And he had brought in a mix, again, a UHPC. It was something from Europe. But at the same time, he was purchasing a it was like a $15,000 mixer specifically to mix this mix because it's so difficult to mix. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> I don't see this customer base want to, you know, making vanities, running businesses as, as small as, you know, maybe it's your carport to your garage, to your, you know, to a 3,000 or, or 10,000 square foot shop, you know. That is not the end most of us are working on. So that this mix, maker mix, is just not designed. Uh, it's not. Yeah. That well, being said, yes, 2022, we will have, we will continue to update that information moving through. Not because people are like, oh, I don't believe you. I want to see what the strength is. Well, you know what? I don't really care if you believe it or not, because it doesn't matter to me. But what it does matter to me is those people that can utilize that information 
to be successful presenting that to architects and designers, yeah, it's going to be available. Well, absolutely. For me, what I want to do and what I, you know, kind of pushing you to get all these uh, proctors made for, for compressive testing and flexural testing is so we can essentially graph it out and show guys and gals, because we're inclusive, everybody, we can show everybody that this fiber at this loading does this. This fiber and this fiber together at this loading does this. And we can graph it out and people can see, you know, empirical data of this is what you get. This isn't, you know, a hypothesis. Hey, if we mix mix a PVA this and a PVA that and a little bit of glass, this is what we're going to get. This is hard data. So we can show people, we can plot it out. And then you can make that decision. This is where I want to be for flexural strength, for whatever it is I'm doing. Perfect. Boom. There it is. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something you and I... Yeah, you and I talk about this a lot. Usually it's a, you know, this versus that, PVA versus glass, glass versus PVA. Uh, and when we have those kind of discussions, you and I, I'm the one that says like, well, what are we comparing to? <laughs> you know, which PVA? Most of us know there's only one glass we're talking about, and that's the AR bundle glass in three-quarter inch or half-inch lengths. Um, but PVA comes in a variety of sizes, sevens, fifteens, and hundreds. But that being said, then when we do this, yeah, strength definitely, flow, and then a person could decide. Because who knows? Maybe we find out by all PVA 100s, you lose a little strength, whatever the strength that is, flexural or compression, but you gain flow. Who knows? And it's not up for us to tell you what's best. You get to decide what's best. If you needed higher flow, go this direction. This is what you gain versus you loss, vice versa. We may find a, an ultimate balance between using a combination of glass and PVA. But all that being said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have more of that information available in hard numbers. And then, you know, all of us can decide what we want to use and why. Exactly. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Information is power. And we want to provide that information. Absolutely. What if we find it super weak? <sighs> It's only a thousand PSI, 500 PSI. <laughs> in my head, I just heard that turkey being cut open in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We're just like, it's like we get the testing back and it's like, yeah, 275 PSI. What else you got? I remember there was a question about polymer. Oh, yeah. It was... That's always a question, isn't it? it yeah, I, I don't have my, yeah. I don't have Facebook open. Do you have it open? Do you see what that question was? I can't remember. Um, yeah, well, I mean, essentially the question was, this is a person who was trying to figure out where uh, PRA-1210 versus Polytech versus Forton and, you know, how much to put in. And then why is it not necessary in Maker Mix? I don't know, man. It's it's just, I know we've covered it a lot. We can certainly keep covering it time and time and time again. And I understand why the question keeps coming up. So let's just talk Maker Mix to begin with. Maker's Mix does have, and the Rad Mix, has a very small amount of a specific polymer but that polymer is used for a very different reason. Different than all the information that's been put out there of what 
I'm going to say what we think the polymer is used for, right? I think we've all been led down a path to believe you have to put these liquid polymers in there or powder polymers as cure aids, you know, so you can turn things faster, you avoid seven-day cures, or was it more than that? Maybe it was 28-day cures. Um, well, originally, anyway, the Forton, it was a seven-day wet cure you could do with a 24-hour dry cure was their yeah, selling point. That's right. Yeah. And here's the thing. At the time when that information came out, the amount of polymer being used in those mixes was extremely high. It was up in the range of 15% solids and higher, which meant that the concrete was taking on the characteristic of the acrylic polymer, not vice versa. So, and I think you've said that in some of the podcasts, you're basically a, creating a concrete acrylic sheet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it looked yeah. just like plastic. When I first showed architects, when Hiram gave me the very early GFRC mix designs, which were extremely high in Forton, I cast samples, I showed it to architects, and across the board, everybody hated it. And everybody's feedback was exactly the same. It looks like plastic. And it looked exactly yeah. like plastic. I'm, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I keep going back to a time where I was directly involved with a polymer company designing a liquid polymer and that to me was the biggest eye-opening experience that I had on why today I do not like polymers and concrete. I, I'm not a fan of them. Uh, they create, in my opinion, create more weakness and problems than the, you know the the benefit. Let's say the benefits do not what overshadow what you lose. Yeah, the benefits don't don't outweigh the weaknesses. It it adds no, a host really of problems don't. that are created by that. That in some ways. If you're going to use that kind of polymer, you'd probably be better off not to use it at all at the end of the day. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually my answer to him directly. When, and the question like, no, get it out. I mean, this would be the time if he's in New Zealand, actually. So if it's not available to you for one reason or another, this would be the time to learn how to, to work without it. And you will see such a dramatic difference in the quality of your concrete by getting that material out, learning how to adjust your plasticizer to compensate, um, even better, shoot, order some rad mix and bring that in, get some fine particle in there and change your mix design, upgrade your mix design so that what you think you know about using the liquid polymer and why you think you're using it, take yourself to a new level and it'll blow your mind. It to really the moon. will. To the moon, bitches. To the moon. To the moon. Let's go to the moon. Uh, I mean, telling you, how did I explain it? I mean, when I wrote it, that, there was a time I thought I knew what I thought I knew, like everybody else. You know, I, I guess, you know, I swallowed it hook, line, and sinker is we had to have these things in, in, in the mixes. We needed a powder polymer. If we were drawing an all dry blend, you got to use a liquid polymer. If you weren't, I mean, it was just, you have to, you have to, you have to. And if you don't, it's because you don't know what you're doing, you know? And, or like the old days, you were doing some kind of old school cast concrete kind of idea. I swallowed it like anybody else. And once I took the time, and it was really forced on me, believe it or not. I mean, it wasn't something I decided to do, but it was forced on me. It's one of those like, right, you got 
kicked in the nutsack for the right reason. And I worked, the company was called I worked with them. We designed something together and it put such an uncomfortable taste in my mouth for what this material is, what goes into making it, the surfactant technologies, what it takes to keep the, the acrylics in suspension, go a step further, how much that now retards cement hydration and creates so many problems, which ultimately leads to so many of today's quote unquote sealer problems, which is a direct reflection of what was done in the concrete casting techniques. I mean, it's it was a whole spider web that just blew my mind. And no, liquid polymers. So if you don't have it available, this is the perfect time to learn how to get those out of your mixes. And uh, you will not be sorry for it at all. Yeah, I agree. And if you're using a uh, mix design that requires liquid polymer, di- you know, ditch it. Change. Yeah, yep. there's no reason. At this point, mm-hmm. there was a point in time, and at, there was a point in time that, like you were saying, we always do the best we can do at that point in time. And there's a point in time that liquid polymer mixes were considered the best on the market because there's nothing else that was a option. And so I used them. Yep. And, uh, and there's still companies out there selling liquid polymer mixes. They're still selling like this Soviet-era technology. Now there is a better option. Ditch that liquid polymer mix. Make the change. You won't regret it. Your mix will get better. Your sealing, will get, you know, your sealing uh, process will get better. The results will be better. Mm-hmm. The surface finish will be better. Everything about what we do for a living will be better. And if you don't believe me, talk to the, you know, now it's hordes of guys that have changed over to Kodiak Pro products. And as far as I know, everybody that tries it once stays with it. Mm-hmm. So talk to any guy that's using Kodiak Pro. And I was like, dude, yeah, I gave it a shot. So much better. So much better. Well, there's, and I'll just say, it's no question because I hear about it a lot. I mean, this whole polymer or some version of the polymer questions always comes up and I get it. I, I so much get it. We have been inundated for the last, I don't even know how many years. 20. Well, that the the need for this is a much a necessity as it is having cement in your mix. You know what I mean? Like, and if you don't have it, then, oh, then, you know, I get it. I get it. And it's a, you know, for a long, for anybody to begin with moving this direction, it was a bit of a bitter pill to swallow the when you hear that was saying talk that about it, not necessary. Was the person yeah. that was selling it. Yeah. You know, I mean, not to go on a whole other tangent, because I'm vaccinated. I got both vaccines, both Pfizer vaccines. I believe in science. I think science is legit. I'm not a science denier by any stretch of the imagination. But that being said, now that Pfizer's recommending a third vaccine or talking about a fourth vaccine, and I learned that Pfizer made $33 billion last year on the COVID vaccine alone, and they normally a, a banner product, product would be a billion dollars, and half of that would go to R&D, which they didn't pay for with this, really makes me question, because Pfizer's the one recommending the third and the fourth booster. But they're the ones selling it. And I'm like, man, I believe in science, but I don't believe in this type of like greed. And I feel like the person telling you, you have to have this is the person that benefits. And it was the same thing with the liquid polymer. The company that was really pushing, you have to have liquid polymer in your mix. It does all this stuff was a company that was selling it. So, I mean, kudos to them. They, they built an amazing business out of it. 
they set all the ASTM standards around it. I mean, like the base of quote unquote GFRC concrete was built around the use of these polymers. So I get it. I do. I get it. That's another thing, a sore subject. When I was in, in Arizona, there was a lot, or at one point, there were a lot of Adobe block manufacturers in Tucson, right? There was like, they're all family owned. They went back a hundred plus years and they made Adobe blocks. And every one of them was a slightly different size because they had these handmade wood molds they used to make Adobe blocks. And everybody did good. Mm-hmm. Everybody made blocks. But this one person went down and got their block size specified for the building code as the only Adobe block that could be used. It was only the size. There you go. In the Tucson yep. building code. And because of that, all the other manufacturers that made Adobe blocks had to close up shop because they couldn't afford to retool. It was too expensive for them to redo all mm. their, their tools to do that. And I think about like, that's capitalism right there. That's, that's what goes yeah, on. And so, you know, yep. yeah, you have, a, you have a liquid polymer that is doing more harm than good, but you go and you get it specified as like, oh, if you want to do this, you have to use that, says the guy selling right. it. You know, it's like, yep. ugh, I don't know, man. I just don't, it doesn't strike me good that that's true. Well, and I have to admit today, I probably shouldn't, but I get a little chuckle out of it. When I see some of the various companies out there still kind of battling over, you know, which one of the liquid polymers is better. Well, what, what do you mean by better? First yeah. of all, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. It's you like, know, this like one's which is better, better than that one. Uh, yeah. uh, cyanide or, uh, you know, which poison is better? Oh, yeah. Mine so, only, mine only know, causes uh, sudden death and slight discomfort. You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And so uh, some of the forums too, you know, I use this one for this reason and I use that one for this reason. And I have to admit, and I know some of you guys are going to get mad at me for what I'm going to say. I get lost why people still follow that path when they they should know better, I guess. Um, Get that stuff out of there or drop it to such a minimum that, you know, it's really, it's it's so unnecessary. You, and here's the thing, high-end quality mixes that you see the ductiles and some of these, you know, reaching for the stars kind of mixes. You know what they don't have in them? Polymers. Yeah. So if to achieve that end of the scale, to achieve that, I mean, wouldn't everybody be tripping over themselves to come up with the latest and greatest polymer to add in? Yeah. Well, let me the ask you this. The answer would be yes, but they don't. So it's we, yeah. we have a very, very small amount of a dry polymer in our mix. What purpose... Yeah. Does that polymer serve if we're not using it for the same reason all the other mixes that have polymer have polymer and they have a much higher level of polymer? Why do we have any polymer in our mix? That's a good question. And it's, I call it a hydration modifier. It's in there. It's actually at a specific size. And what it does is bridge a gap because it's the only thing. And I hate to call it a polymer because it is not a direct acrylic polymer. It's actually a, a chemistry that comes from a very different backbone, but it's still technically considered a polymer. So it fits in there and bridges a gap between the micro sands and the cement particles, because we do have a gap in there. So I couldn't find anything else to fill in. So it's really based on cohesiveness 
and helping us increase total density. That's, I mean, that's what ours is really used for. Gotcha. And that's it. That makes good sense. All right, John, do you have any more questions? I do, but we can cover these at another date, man. Come on. I I could keep going. I get so many questions. Uh, What's the cement, you know, this one's a quick one. What's the cement content of Maker Mix? Well, I guess that's not a simple question. That's actually a really loaded question. Um, Give give the easy answer. Well, the easy answer is it's pretty low. Comparatively speaking, this is not a 50-50 mix, which I know goes counter back to the pigment conversation. Why do we base pigments on, you know, 50% of the dry ingredients and not based on cement content? But if we called conventional cement content or total cement binder, meaning the cement and the pozzolans and so forth and so on, Maker's Mix is running just over about 40% of the dry materials. You know, it's Christmas. So it's going to be Christmas. Today is, uh, what is today? December 21st, Tuesday. So we're, we're four days away from Christmas. Yeah. So this will be our last podcast before Christmas. We will do one after Christmas, I'm sure, in between Christmas and the New Year. We are extremely appreciative of all of our customers, our clients, however you want to phrase it. You know, I, I, the terminology doesn't matter. We consider you guys friends. We consider you family. We consider you compeers, compadres. We're you know, we're very grateful and we're very happy to have you part of the, the Kodiak Pro team. And we want to continue to grow this thing in 2022 and beyond. And we do that with you. And thank you. We are doing exciting Absolutely. things. Yeah, we're doing exciting things in 2022. Just a really quick highlight is, you know, we're continuing with the mix. We're continuing with pigments. We are 100% moving forward with the, the custom molds that we're going to be doing here soon, mold systems. So I ordered the machinery. That's a done deal. It's going to be... Did you? Yeah. That's awesome. So it's being built. I signed the paperwork today. So it's, it's uh, being built. And uh, as soon as that's done, it's going to, going to head my way. I'm going to start working on tooling for uh, different molds, but I'm super excited about that. John is working on a whole new line of tool accessories. So different abrasives mm-hmm. and whatnot that aren't available anywhere. They're going to be custom made. So we're working with a Swedish manufacturer, a Swiss manufacturer on that right now, yeah. which is super which cool. Which blows your mind that these, I mean, I'm going to take a step back. It blows your mind that these haven't been available before. Well, you know, we just kind of use what is available. It's kind of like yeah, that's true. you get comfortable. It's the whole thing when I was using Buddy Rhodes and I wasn't 100% happy, but you're comfortable enough. You're like, ah, yeah. do I want to go right. through the process of doing my own thing? No, I'll make this yeah. work. Same thing with abrasives. Right. We all have just kind of been like, you know, eh, I can make this work. I can make this yeah, work. Right. It's not what yeah. I want. It's not perfect no, for I'm what we do. I'm not kidding you. I literally bought a leather hole punch, a leather hole punch to punch the hole pattern into the available orbital sanding pads that I could get. That's what I was doing. It was a total pain in the butt, but I did that specifically. So I can't tell you how excited I am to get, you know, to get this company to make these these to our specification, both in a whole pattern that that fits right and potentially a mesh bound diamond pad, which would be so cool to hook up to the... uh, to the vacuum and stuff. And so. that could work with yeah, any, that's gonna any, be cool. any vacuum setup, which would be great versus Correct. the Festool specific hole pattern, right. which works with Festool. But if you have Merca, mm-hmm. if you have Mercas or you have some other ones, maybe it doesn't line up quite right. 2022 is just going to be amazing. I'm so excited. 
I'm so excited. I can't hide it. (laughs) So before we wrap this up, let's, uh, let's hit the highlights that we always hit really, really, really quick. Concrete gangster stickers. I want you to have one. I want you to put one on your mixer. I want you to put one on your notebook. I want you to put one on the back of your truck. The way you get it is you go to Facebook. You like Kodiak Pro. You join a Kodiak Pro discussion group. Send me a message. Hey, BG, I just signed up. Awesome. Give me your address. I will put one in the mail to you. I promise. The second way, go to Apple. Leave us a review for the podcast. Send me a message. Hey, I just left you a review on Apple. Here's my address. Awesome. One's in the mail to you. So let's do that. Second thing, uh, we have a Kodiak Pro open studio Monday, February 28th in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. $100 a person. This is the event for people that aren't ready to take an advanced training class. Maybe you're a homeowner, a DIYer. Maybe you do concrete flat work and you're just like, yeah, maybe I want to get into doing this. Awesome. Come to the open house. We've already had several registrations for that. Come to the open house. Uh, We're going to show you how to mix Maker Mix. We're going to show you how to cast it, cure it, seal it, finish it. So it's a one-day event. You'll meet me and John. You know, we'll have a good time. You can ask your questions. That is the highlight when you really think about it. Yeah. I mean, that's really the only reason to come is to meet me and John. But but you get your hands in it. You know, you get some confidence and comfort level with something that maybe seems like out of your comfort zone. Come on on over. We'll show you how to do it. To do that, go to KodiakPro.com. Go to the shop and uh, you can scroll down and find the open studio and sign up for that. The last thing is uh, the spring 2022 Pinnacle Concrete Camp. It's going to be February 21st through 26th, York Springs, Arkansas. Six-day class, Dusty Baker, Brandon Gore, John Schuler, GFRC, UHPC, ECC, OPP, fabric forming, upright casting. I mean, you name it. And on top of that, besides all the hours of experience and failure, and knowing why things work and knowing why things don't work and having that conversation is the business of running businesses. And that's really an important Mm -hmm. thing. And so the other training out there that you might be looking at, really look at these people know what they're talking about. Did they run a successful concrete business? Did they do it 20 years ago? Well, that's not really relevant for today, is it? Dusty Baker, John Schuler, Brandon Gore, we all do this for a living. That's how we feed our families. And so when you come to our class, you're learning from people that this is their livelihood today. Yesterday, the day before, tomorrow. This is what we do, and we want to share that with you. So come to the Spring 22 Pinnacle Concrete Camp. Go to concretedesignschool.com. Register today. We're up to seven people. We had two more registrations. So we're up to seven people. We cap it at 20. So there's, you know, we're, we're 30% there. I always, uh, yeah. Get in. Well, here, I'm gonna, and I know I, I throw this in there. For those people, ask yourself why you're going. Now, I don't know if you want to come hang out with us. But you know what I'm going to say, to say, if you want to spend a week with a group of guys that continue to push what we're doing, continue to strive, better materials, better sealer, better design, um, new design. I mean, this is what we do. <laughs> Here we are. We're introducing an end of materials that nobody has seen before. And there's a reason why we did it. Yeah. The reason we're, you're working on tooling is because it doesn't exist. But somebody that doesn't exactly. do this for a living would never know that. They would wouldn't never even know. know. That. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm having fun again. I know I said that quite a bit on some of them. I'm having fun again. I, I can't tell you how excited I am again in what we're doing. Uh, we're, we're achieving new heights that other people have decided at some point just to quit, quit striving for. They're running on autopilot. And instead, 
we're kicking it into fifth gear. So that's pretty awesome. You know, what's exciting for you, what's exciting for me and for Dusty is we are helping guys, our, our guys and gals, to be better at what they do and to be more profitable at what they right. do. Because at the end of the day, if you're not making a profit, it's just a hobby and you're not going to feed your family with a hobby. And so these products, these sealers, these molds, this tooling, everything we're working on is for you. It's not for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we love it and we need it, yeah. but we can't afford to, you know, order custom Swiss abrasive pads just for my use or just for John's use. No, you know? I, I'm sure they're going to hit us with a, you know, thousand, 10,000 minute or yeah. something. It'll be something insane, but, but it's for the said, industry. It's for the industry. Exactly. And all these It'll things we're cool. working on is so everybody that does this for a living can do it better, faster, and be more profitable. And at the end of the day, Agreed. that's what we want. We want you, it, you know, we're not successful. We're not going to continue to grow this if you're going out of business. So it's right. in our best interest to help you continue to grow your business. And that's what we're here to do. Me, Dusty, and John are here to help you grow your business and be a more profitable company. And we're going to do everything Absolutely. we can to do that. We're excited. I'm excited, yeah. I sound yeah. more excited than you sound. This is my exciting. This is my excited <laughs> voice. I'm Dude, so excited. I'm like, I am pumped <laughs> up right now. You know, it's, it's, I really am pumped, yeah. it's evening. It's pitch black here at my shop. I'm looking out the windows, but man, I am wound up. So I'm, yeah, I just, I can't wait. I can't We're wait for be wound up for a while is what's going on. I mean, as, as all of this keeps falling into the place, as the puzzle pieces keep falling into place, like I said, just today, it seems so simple to anybody listening to my voice, but just today to make the phone call to find out that the pigment blender is up and running and the specs were met and material are headed to a customer tomorrow. I mean, that... I don't, I can't put that into words for something that's taken you and I, what, eight months, 10 months of, of, of trying to put that together to finally see it beginning to come to fruition. I mean, that's pretty freaking cool. It's fruition with an R. Whatever. Flu. I thought it was flu, like no, fluid. No, no. Fruition. <laughs> like, fruition, is it? All right. I'm gonna, Jesus that like Christ to me. You're the smartest Fruitation. guy in the room and you don't even know how to use the English language. What is going on here? That's my weakness. English <laughs> language too is hard. <laughs> I didn't even graduate high school and I know, I know oh. the correct terminology. What is going on? I don't know. And I got a wife who's a teacher. So, <laughs> right? Oh, man. I, I still come up with all my own words. Does, does she yeah. just like sit there and that's why it's a that this whole thing's a mute point yeah it's just a mute point it's just mute it's just mute <laughs> does she like shake her head when you talk and just like john oh, she does it all the time man. she's like uh <laughs> she doesn't even correct me anymore she just goes with it yeah she's, all right honey okay okay, okay honey well, i get the pat on the back <laughs> on that note i think this uh this wraps it up for the most part Merry Christmas, everybody out there. Merry Christmas. Hope you have a, a wonderful holiday season. We'll talk to you next week. And then um, 2022, we're going to the moon. All of us. We are. We're loading yeah, in. Absolutely. Launching. All right, Brandon. All right, buddy. Cool. Good talking to you again, yeah. as always. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye.